Hello world and welcome to our daily show where we share with you uh, tidbits of information and various segments to share what's happening in the tech world with you. I'm Dean Bryan and I'm joined by the wonderful Amy Boyd. How are you Amy? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Feeling quite rested. We had a nice long weekend um, in in the UK and I think other, as well in other parts of the yeah. world. Um, so yeah, a four day week is a treat. Um, and so yeah, totally rested for our Hello World Wednesday. A couple of four day weeks, but we're back at it now and uh, middle of the week Wednesday, but um, it's not hump day when you've got the awesome content coming to you from us here at Hello World, Amy. Uh, so what have we got on the agenda today? Uh, first up, we'll be talking with Jeremiah and uh, looking at the challenge review from you, the audience, and the submissions that you put in for us. Uh, then Jay will be back this week to talk about a new episode of Azure Fun Bites with some really um, interesting tech, which I think you'll be excited to hear about and watch. Uh, then Laurent is going to be talking to another employee here at Microsoft, um, the Humans of Microsoft segment, around what it's like to be working here at Microsoft, like we all do. And uh, finally, Kayla will be talking to us about WinDevBox and some fun stuff around Windows Terminal. Uh, but before we dive in, Amy, uh, let's why don't we share some news and some stuff that we found out this week? Sure. So, yeah, I was wandering around. Uh, if you go to news.microsoft.com, uh, all these links are in our show notes. Uh, I was kind of wandering around seeing what the new news was, and I saw this headline, and I just thought, what on earth? So here we go. To cool data center servers, Microsoft turns to boiling liquid. And I was like, cooling, boiling. They feel like the complete opposites of the spectrum. Well, the amazing team in the data center advanced development group have been working on this new this liquid basically that can boil at 122 degrees fahrenheit which to us um, is 50 degrees celsius uh, in which it boils which is still pretty hot um, and what it does is create its own circular cooling system so the idea is we have these servers in this really hot liquid um, the heat is actually done by the processors in the servers themselves so it's no extra power by the sounds of it and as all of this boiling liquid condenses it hits a cooling um mechanism and then it basically like i, I envision it like raining down on it to keep it cool basically um so it feels like a, 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 a infant school sort of science lesson in some senses but a lot more complicated it's a great article. Um, if you go to ak.ms slash hello world, you can find the article there. It talks about Moore's law. It talks about cryptocurrency. So it's definitely one with all the right um, tags and wording in it. Oh, nice. Love it. That reminds me of when like your my nan goes on holiday to somewhere really hot and then she has like a cup of tea to cool her down. And you're like, what are you drink? why are you drinking a cup of tea, nan? It's red hot. And then she's like, it cools me down, you know? Exactly. And if you are in our audience here, let us know in the chat. Do you drink tea to keep you cool? So is, are you taking in hot liquid to cool you down? Uh, just like our data centers are now doing. Uh, it'll be interesting to know. Yeah. Disclaimer, don't pour tea on your servers to cool them down. But um, <laughs> one thing I've, um, I read a post on the Microsoft blog this week, Amy, that I wanted to share everyone around. Um, as you know, I'm all about security and security threats uh, due to a new report that Microsoft commissioned just last month called the Security Signals Report. Uh, they spoke to over a thousand security decision makers in some large enterprises around kind of threats and risks that they're seeing in their environment. 
And they've seen a trend in an increase in firm, firmware attacks as opposed to software attacks where they don't necessarily have the protection of the cloud that we have with some of our software these days. So I thought that's quite interesting around this kind of rise in uh, attackers against firmware. Uh, and I read a bit further and Microsoft have done some work with a number of partners uh, to develop some secured, what we're calling secured core PCs. And these are devices that are built with zero trust from the ground up with virtualization security, some kernel security, um, credential guard, and some really, really nice security features from the ground up on these devices, uh, which was recently extended to server and IoT devices as well. So if people are interested in that and learn around how they make their firmware more secure, um, all the links will be at ak.ms slash hello world. Wonderful. I always learn so much from our headlines segment, um, not just reading in and actually finding out our headlines and announcements, but also um, hearing from our other hosts throughout the week. So um, thank you for sharing that. If you want to find out any of these links, read a little bit more on what we talked about, go to aka.ms slash hello world. Awesome. Yeah, some great headlines. And But first up in our first segment, I'm joined by uh, Jeremiah in our audience challenge review segment. So Jeremiah, how are you doing? Hey Dean, I'm great, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. How do we get on this week with the, the challenge? What did people come up with? Every week gets a little bit better, doesn't it? So this week we were talking about backups and disaster recovery. And the question that we asked the audience was, what's the strangest thing you've ever had to go to a backup to recover? And we got some great responses and I wanna jump right into the first one uh, that we got here and Travis has an interesting story that highlights one of the issues that we see with these backup uh, techniques and technologies that exist over decades or multiple decades. So he says that five or six years ago, he had to scrap together a Windows 3.1 box from an ancient air conditioning system because he had to retrieve data off of a write once, read many times drive that required an interface card that didn't have modern drivers and barely fit inside the case. And the good news is that Travis got the data that he needed back off of it. But I think the challenge that it highlights is none of this technology lasts forever. So if your backups are supposed to last 20 years, it means you have to keep that technology around for 20 years as well. Interesting. Rest, rest API accessible backup to the win, right? Right. And I'm sure in 20 years, people will be looking at it going, APIs? We don't just plug them right directly into our arms? Just pluck, just pluck the data out. <laughs> exactly. So the second one reminded me a lot of the Brad Pitt movie 7, right? Where at the end, he's looking at the box and yelling, what's in the box? So Dave tells us a story about a Commodore 64 PC that he sold. And I hope he made plenty of money off of this because he sold the Commodore 64, the floppy drive, the cassette drive, all of the accessories with it. And when he asked the person who was buying it, why do you want this old system? The guy said, I have a five and a quarter inch floppy that I really need to get some data off of. And that's it. Wouldn't tell him what data he needed to get off of it. Wouldn't tell him why he was resorting to buying an entire system in order to be able to get data off of one floppy drive. But of course, your imagination just goes crazy with what, what was on the disk. Yeah, I mean, I have an idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I reckon he had his big, a key to his Bitcoin wallet on there. Well, that's true. And he's storing it on a five and a quarter floppy. He's probably way richer than the two of us put together. 100%. But definitely worth buying the Commodore 64 to uh, to get Absolutely. that key back, I'd say. 
So the third story is an old one from 2012, but a good one. And it involves Pixar, the movie theater or the movie studio that produces all of the Pixar movies. And in this case, Toy Story 2, about six months or so before the movie was set to release, somebody ran a command on a system and deleted an entire file system that included a huge part of the movie. Right. And as in 2012, a pretty big company whose entire work product is a series of digital files, you would assume that Pixar had a pretty bulletproof uh, data protection system in place so they they could go get that. And they did have a data protection system in place. And they found out that it hadn't actually been working for about a month before all of these files got deleted. Now, they got lucky because one of the assistant directors was home with a new baby and she'd been working on the film from home and had actually taken a full copy of it to work on the night before. So they were able to get it back. Pixar was saved. I mean, I think they estimated it would have taken 30 people an entire year to recreate the data that had been lost. My guess is the backup system actually works now. And so like the movie was saved and Pixar was saved. But more importantly, my daughter was saved because there was probably a good year of her life where my daughter dressed up like Jesse the cowgirl literally every single day. At one point, she lost one of her red Jesse boots and you would have thought that the world was ending with the way that she reacted to this. Now, why do I bring my amazing daughter up? Because today is her 13th birthday and it'll only take like 10 or 15 minutes before she realizes she's a teenager. And that means that she needs to hate her parents for no reason whatsoever, but not today. So I know she's watching and hopefully everyone can join me in wishing Gretchen an amazing 13th birthday. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely have a party later on. Can't wait to see her. Awesome. I love that, Jeremiah. Happy birthday. Happy 13th birthday. Welcome to being a teenager. That is that is awesome. A great milestone to me. So yeah, happy birthday to your daughter, Jeremiah. Thank you so much for joining us again and sharing all those awesome stories. Uh, let's welcome Amy back onto the show to uh, talk about what we've got next, Amy. Oh, definitely. But before that, happy birthday, Gretchen. Um, I hope you have a really wonderful day. And maybe there's more Disney stuff in store. You'll have to let us know. Um, But yeah, wonderful. So let's uh, move on to our next segment. If you are someone who is all about every part of Azure, you are going to love this. Uh, So let's roll Azure Fun Bites with Jay Gordon. So Jay, are you there? I'm here. Thank you so much for having me as usual. Uh, Happy birthday, Gretchen. I'm really, really glad that we got to celebrate your birthday a little bit here on uh, Hello World. And uh, I got to say, I still feel a little traumatized from those uh, stories that Jeremiah told us. But I'm going to kind of give us something to look forward to. And, and of course, uh, you know, we get together every Thursday at 11 a.m. on the west of the U.S., uh, 2 p.m. on the East Coast, where I keep my heart and home. Uh, and we discuss the products and the services that make up the fundamentals of Azure. We talk about sometimes complementary products, all these things that will help you have a really great Azure experience. Wonderful. Who wouldn't want to join you tomorrow at 11 a.m.? Um, but first off, uh, what are you discussing this week? Because you change it every single week. Yep, that's right, Amy. Every week we uh, try to bring a different subject in so that we can learn about all these different services because there's so many. 
uh, in Azure, and it's sometimes it's difficult to keep up. So I I try, and and so this week we're going to discuss uh, static web apps. Uh, it's a service uh, that helps developers build and deploy their static websites with a lot of the operational overhead taken care of for you by Azure. So you'll be able to utilize a fully baked continuous integration and continuous deployment process with GitHub Actions or Azure DevOps. And so you can deploy your uh, your static web uh, site generator content like say Hugo or Gatsby. Uh, and then of course there's support for these frameworks like Angular, Blazor and, and JavaScript. Very nice, very nice. But we all know if we see the tech, we understand it probably better. So you've got a demo for us, right? Sure, let's let's bring it up. Uh, and so right here you can see I've got a, a new creation page. I've created a resource group. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give it a name. I'll pick the region that I wanna put it in. Uh, it's in preview, so it's free right now. You'll see I'll pick GitHub is where my uh, deployment is going to come from. So our, our, our actual provider, uh, then I'll go ahead, pick my repo. Uh, so uh, after we go to my account, we'll go ahead and we'll find the uh, Gatsby uh, repository. And then after that, I'll pick the branch, which is main. Uh, I'll bring it down and now I have some build presets that I can pick. Uh, and so in this case, I'll pick Gatsby. Uh, the output location will be public. Our app location is slash. We're not going to be using an API, but I'll tell you what we're going to be able to do with those APIs in the future. Um, and so you can see all these files are actually created here uh, in my repo after we build and we render the pages. And so once we've built and rendered everything, we can go ahead and uh, send it up to static web apps. Wonderful. And you obviously always have a guest on your show uh, every single week that joins you. So I think we saw a sneak peek there, but uh, tell us who it is. Sorry about that. Um, but, you know, it's sometimes it's really hard to keep these things to myself. You know what I mean, Amy? Uh, <laughs> I, I always get so many great people that join. And I, I was just so excited here. This week, I've got Anthony Chu. Anthony Chu, he's a former cloud advocate. He's now a program manager. He works a lot on this static web app service. He works on Azure Functions. And, um, you know, we want to sometimes add some dynamic elements into our sites. So he's actually going to let me know about how to actually add Azure Functions into these static web apps. Wonderful. And I always know um, Anthony, super duper expert. So if you're new to Static Web Apps, amazing person to learn from yourself and him. But also if you're an expert, come ask your questions like this is the time. Absolutely. Um, with only... Sorry, you go. I was saying absolutely. We want to take your questions. We want to answer them. Wonderful. Um, and so with only a few moments to go in our very short segment here on Hello World, um, where can people go to join the show? Let's make sure people know where it is now. We've uh, we've certainly sold it. Sure. Tomorrow, right after Hello World, right here on Learn TV, stick around. You can go to uh, right here, aka.ms slash Learn TV. Check out the show. It's 11 a.m. Literally, the moment we end here on Hello World, we'll go right over to Azure Fun Bites. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Joe, for joining us. Always a pleasure. Um, and we always learn so much. I think uh, myself and Dean will be tuning in. 
Fabulous. Yes. Dean, are you there? There you are. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'll definitely be tuning in. I think Anthony's awesome. You still have him. I go to Anthony for anything I can't solve in Azure. Um, that's that's one of the first people I ping on Teams when I do that. <laughs> but that doesn't mean everyone, don't everybody bombard him with all of your tech requests. Uh, so, uh, but coming up uh, next, um, Laurent talks to Mattis Hoekstra in our Humans of Microsoft segment. Um, he used to work at Microsoft in the Netherlands before him and his family moved to the Redmond area. So let's hear his story on Humans of Microsoft. Welcome to Humans of Microsoft. This is a segment where we talk to people just like you and me, but they have one thing in common. They all work for Microsoft. And today I'm joined by Matisse Hoekstra. How are you doing, Matisse? Hey, Laurent. I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. That's a real pleasure. Uh, Matisse, you are originally from the Netherlands, and now you are a senior program manager for Microsoft, and you live uh, very close from the Redmond campus in the Pacific Northwest, right? Yeah, that's correct. We moved uh, with the family like eight years ago. Oh, that's awesome to hear. So, Matisse, what would you say was a pivotal moment, a key moment in your career? Um, yeah, so I've been working with Microsoft for 19 years, right? So I think oh. the, the it's it's long, it doesn't feel like it because I had several jobs. I think the biggest pivotal change was probably me, me moving with my family to the US eight years ago to pick up a job inside of Microsoft corporate. Mm, that's interesting. So, so if you could go back in time, like any time, what would you tell yourself to help you getting started? So realizing, so uh, the reason why I moved to the US was to be closer to the product teams, be having more influence on changing the product, which will touch tons of people. I think looking back, uh, and, and what is something I, I would recommend everybody to 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 learn and and, and, and get better at is learn how to write. Um, if you have a great ID and you can put it on paper in a one pager and share it, that will have definitely way more impact than anything else. You can talk, you can present mm -hmm. as much as you want. That one pager, if they send it around and people like it, they will send it around to the right people. You can actually influence things. Um, and besides that, I think um, um, learn how to focus. I like a lot of different things, right? We're all geeks like you. We, we like technology. I like to focus on a lot of different things and I, and to pick up new things. But once you start to learn to focus, that doesn't mean that you have to skip all the other stuff, but focus on a really important thing and make the impact there, at least for me at Microsoft, that uh -huh. that would make a, a, a bigger change. And then that be doing a lot of different things okay -ish, instead of a few things really, really well. Yeah, that's probably a great advice, and uh, it's really hard, though, to, to do it, right? Um, so you said yourself you've been working at Microsoft for 19 years. That's a really long time. So isn't it boring? Yeah, you would think so. People are always surprised when you say, oh, how can you work for the same company for so long? But it feels like I've not been working with this company for long at all because I got several jobs, right? I was an evangelist mm -hmm. and a consultant in the Netherlands. I've been in marketing here in the US. I've been in the Windows engineering partner work. Now I'm in Azure identity. Um, recently I started working on decentralized identity. So every time you change roles, you pick up a new technology and, and you have to scramble to to catch up and 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 be on par with the rest of the team, right? So yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's it is for me it doesn't feel like something old it's just something new and you evolve you learn more and you get to the next job so it felt like i got like seven jobs the last uh, few years just with the same mm -hmm. company 
Of course, that's an advantage when you work for such a big company that you have many Absolutely. opportunities. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, what would you say is more important? Is it the, the deep technical knowledge or is it networking? Yeah, so I think people will probably differ on opinion. Uh, for me, I've always been doing well with a good network. So I've mm -hmm. been working a lot with, for example, the Microsoft MVPs, like you were one yourself in the past. And instead of me trying to know everything, I just knew the folks who knew everything, right? So if I had mm -hmm. a question on, I don't know, MVVM, why would I try to figure everything out if I could just ask you? And I know you well, right? And that's what I did uh -huh. inside of the organization. So technical, good enough to ask the right questions to the right folks. That worked for me best. Yeah, that's a great advice. I think what's important to know is where to find the information and not necessarily the information itself, right? Absolutely. And, uh, Finally, the last question, what is one more thing you want to tell our viewers to, to inspire them? Just do it. Don't try to overanalyze and get analysis paralysis. If you just try things, try it out. If it fails, that's fine. Go, with, go on with the next thing. Just don't try to figure it out completely before you start doing anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really, really good advice. Well, thank you so much, Matisse. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. And uh, to all, our, all of our viewers, sorry, catch us next time for another Humans of Microsoft. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Awesome, Amy. I love that story. I love the bit about analysis, uh, paralysis, and just trying to experiment and do things. I think we've all been guilty of that at times, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, I'm going to hold that little quote in there. I like it. It's got a bit of a, a you know, a twang to it, hasn't it? Um, but also the the how many roles uh, within one very large company, and yeah. actually they're all so different. It's if you change roles, you change teams, and it is like a whole another company almost. So uh, it was really good to hear that from him. Yeah, lots of variety here uh, at Microsoft. But next, Amy, um, you'll be chatting with Kayla, right, on this week's episode of WinDevBox, talking about how we can make our Windows Terminal a bit more colorful, right? Absolutely. Um, so, Kayla, are you there? There you are. Hey. So, first off, happy birthday, Gretchen, 13. That's such a big year. Becoming a teenager, that's awesome. Um, I know Wednesday is a great day for a birthday because it's right in the middle of the week, so it breaks it up. Um, but for our demo today, I did actually tweet a sneak peek about this, but I asked my team, I said, what would you like to see on Hello World this week? I want to talk about Windows Terminal. And they said, I want my terminal to look like Scott Hanselman's terminal. And I was like, I will do my best um, and try to get as, as close as I can with my own spin on it, with my own style. So let's actually jump into the demo of what it looks like to customize your terminal. So this is my terminal, plain, no customizations yet. First thing we have to do is set that background image. So if I go down to my profile for PowerShell, head over to the Appearance tab, and then I can change the font size real quick just so you can see what I'm working on later. Um, I will go down to the background image section and change my background image. So this is just the one of the lighthouse that I had shown. And then I also want to change the background image opacity to about 50% just so that I can see the text overlay on my background so it's still legible. So the next thing I want to do is change that prompt. So where it says um, C slash user slash administrator, that's what I want to change next. So ohmyposh.dev is a great place to get ohmyposh, which is the um, a prompt customizer that you can have on Linux, Windows, um, and Mac OS too. So this is a module that I'm installing on PowerShell. So I just ran the install module command that's on the ohmyposh website. And this will install the module. And then I'll have to actually enable it in my PowerShell profile, which I'll do next after I rearrange my screen. So I'll put 
my terminal on the right and my um, instructions on the left. This is usually how I work anyway. And then I'll scroll down a bit. And I do want to actually see what themes are available to me. What can I make my prompt look like? So if I type the command get posh themes, this will print out all of the themes that Oh My Posh has. So they're all colorful. There's a bunch of different ones that you can pick from. And you might notice that some of them don't look quite right. There's some icons that are missing. There are glyphs missing. It's those rectangular characters. So we want to actually fix that by installing a nerd font. So nerd fonts is an open source repository that has a bunch of different fonts that have these glyphs inside of them that help make these prompts look appropriate. So I'm actually going to download the Cascadia Cove nerd font, which is a community made version of Cascadia code that ships in terminal, but it has that package of nerd font icons in it. And then I'll just relaunch my terminal so that it knows that the font has been installed and then go back into my settings and go to the PowerShell tab again, and then actually change my font face to the Cascadia Cove nerd font. And you might notice the font face is now a dropdown. This is coming in our next release next week. Um, that's just a nice quality of life improvement to have a dropdown instead of a text box. So I'll print the themes again to show what the nerd font does. And now you can see all of the nice angly characters, the Windows icon, it looks a whole lot better. So now I'm actually going to set a theme in my PowerShell to enable it. So I want to edit my PowerShell profile. So I can open the profile file with notepad by doing notepad dollar sign profile. And then I'll end up creating a new file um, just because I didn't have one yet. And I'll put the set posh prompt with the theme cert. That's the theme I'll be using today. And then when I relaunch PowerShell, it will have the appropriate prompt there. And the last thing we need is those cool terminal icons. Whenever I did a list command, I had a bunch of folders and fun stuff like that. So this is terminal icons, which is a GitHub project that's also open source. And it's also a PowerShell module. So we can do the same command install module, but this time for terminal icons. And this will enable those icons in my prompt. And since I have the nerd font already enabled, I don't have to go do any more tweaking with my font either. So I do have to run the um, import module command. And I recommend putting this line also in your profile file so that it'll launch um, on whenever you open PowerShell, it'll show up as well. So here you can see I have the icons. I'll just rearrange uh, my terminal. And now you can see all of my icons are there. So that's real quick how you can customize your terminal from plain to colorful with a background and all of that. Oh my great. goodness, I love it. It looks so amazing. And that before and after, it, it just looks wildly different. So yeah, absolutely. We are going to need to check out the replay um, of Hello World to rewatch this demo. Um, but obviously, we can also follow yourself on Twitter and you, you share so much um, of all this <laughs> awesome content. So yeah, where, where should people go? These are all the great links, right? Yeah, so if you want to grab these links um, later on after the show, you can go to the show notes, and that's at aka.ms slash hello world, and you can get all the links to all the tools I use today um, and set up your terminal. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Kayla. We will bring Dean back on, um, and let's uh, start to wrap up, but we'll, we recover what we uh, talked about here on Hello World. Yeah, nice. Yeah, thanks for having me back. That was that was a really awesome demo. I love that. That was really cool. Um, we, it's time to wrap up. Yeah, we're at the end of the show, and um, we'll bring all our segments back, uh, our segment hosts and guests back in a moment. But um, just a reminder, everyone, that for all the notes for the show, don't forget to check out ak.ms/hello-world for everything that you will need. Um, but yeah, Amy, how about bringing back some of our guests to talk about what's where to go? 
Of course. So we just heard from Kayla. Sorry, this side. And um, we heard where we can get all of that amazing stuff. However, uh, let's bring back on Jeremiah and Jay. Um, and so Jeremiah, you talked to us a little bit about the review challenge. Um, where should people go to learn more? Uh, you can find all of the information about the technologies we talked about at aka.ms slash hello world challenge. And you can go on Twitter and you can wish my daughter a 13th happy birthday. <laughs> Wonderful. Exactly. That's the call to action for this show. Yes. Um, also, <laughs> also, Jay, tell us a little bit more about um, Azure Fun Bites. Sure. Every week right here on Learn TV, you don't even have to leave after tomorrow's Hello World. You can just stick right here, aka.ms slash Learn TV. And then, of course, if you want to find out about all the episodes every week, you can go to the Twitter and it's twitter.com slash Azure Fun Bites. Awesome. Great stuff. Thank you, everybody, for that. So don't forget to Hello World is a daily show. So tomorrow, Frank and Nitty will be our wonderful hosts for everybody watching to tune in again to Hello World tomorrow. But stay tuned here on Learn TV. We are here 24-7 with tons of awesome content for you to check out. So be sure to hang around if you want to consume any more content here on Learn TV. Otherwise, that's all from us today, and we will see you next time. Happy birthday, Gretchen. Happy birthday. Happy birthday.